everyone and welcome back to the bot talk in today's episode we have michael also known as monitor that on the show it's going to be a go we have a bunch of topics to go ahead and jump into i've done a bit of research on michael i've talked to him outside this episode as well and there's a lot of content we're going to dive into in today's episode but i'm going to begin today's episode with what skills did you find of interest or develop whilst you were growing up uh yeah so when i was a kid well thank you for having me on by the way but uh as a kid as a kid, I wasn't really the academic type, and I wasn't really <laughs> the sports type. So I sat inside a lot, and I'd play a lot of games. Like even when I was like probably around nine or ten, I was playing Club Penguin. Like I was just a kid, and I was just trying to go and kind of cheat my way around. So I'd download like cheats and stuff, and and just kind of like whatever it was, and I would just keep on. And no matter what I did growing up, like everything I worked on or anything I played games with or whatever, ended up involving cheats until I started working at some famous CSGO cheat companies. I worked on Unity Hacks for a little bit, and then I worked on Aimware on a private little thing. And that's kind of, that, and so all this development stuff kind of stuck to my head. And, and then finally joining sneakers, I kind of, I, I loved the aspect of botting and stuff, and it really got me into the sneaker scene, like the botting scene that we currently know. Yeah, so it's clear to me that reverse engineering, or I'm not sure that's a proper term, is definitely of interest of yours from a young age. Because obviously back then, when you're talking about Minecraft, you're talking about these games that most kids play. I even played it. A lot of us doubled in cheating. A lot of us doubled in hack clients. But obviously, you took that extra step and you went into coding. You joined some companies and you're essentially reverse engineering parts of these games to go ahead and create hacks and cheats for people to go ahead and take advantage of. And that's transcended into your work that you do within the botting scene and the reselling community, which is something I did actually want to touch upon. You talk about how you joined this community and the whole botting aspect is something you really, really like. Taking a step back, how did you actually discover this community? Uh, yeah, so as a kid, I mean, me and my parents, I mean, I wasn't exactly the most ideal kid. I was an inside, like, shut-in kid. So my parents weren't exactly, like, very nice with, like, oh, I, I don't get money, I don't get certain things or any allowance as a kid. So, but I used to go to church a lot, and so there was these kids there who was talking about Yeezys, and they asked me, like, help me get them. I said, yeah, why not? Like, I don't know anything about shoes. I wore one pair of shoes. I'd buy a size 13 pair of a shoe, and I'd wear it until, like, and grow into it as a kid. And so... What ended up happening was I ended up going for this easy drop and I gave it to this. Uh, it was a pirate black 350s and he ended up selling the shoe and made a lot of money. And he was like, yeah, it makes a lot of money. You should do this more. And so I was like, oh, yeah, OK, I'll do that for sure. And then I ended up just continuing to resell. And I joined uh, this cook group uh, called One Stop Cop. And they told me about this thing, like the original Adidas backdoor, which was really simple. It was just a post request of the add to cart link. And you can basically, if you had the pit of the shoe, you're able to add to cart even like before the queue even starts and everything. Uh, well, once the stock goes live. And uh, I built this thing in Gecko HTML, which is like, it was okay. It wasn't anything special, but it was just harvesting the captures that you needed to do the add to cart link. And uh, it got some a little notoriety. And then a group called, at the time, a cook group called Easy Mafia uh, just said, hey, do you want to join? Back when it had like 600 followers, I said, yeah why not and then that's how things kind of set up and i just joined easy mafia and i kind of got my following and everything from that 
Yeah, so there's a few points I want to go ahead and break down there. I know one part of the answer is going to shock a lot of people. And it shocked me because just to give context to this episode, I've gone ahead and spoke to Michael outside of this interview. We've recorded this before as well, but we'd run into a few network issues. That's why this episode so delayed. This was meant to come out weeks ago, but we've talked about a lot of the stuff we're going to cover in this video. So the first thing, obviously when you went ahead and created this program in Gecko HTML to go ahead and grab these sneakers, what were your profits like? So how much capital were you investing in? and how much profit were you taking out? So actually, I made uh, no money from building the Gecko HTML script. At the time, I wasn't really experienced, and I thought, okay, I could just build something, and then there was no auth protection or anything in it. And uh, honestly, anyone could have just used it if they got the download link for it. But of course, you need a Windows computer, because, you know. But basically, I ended up just, I don't know. I made no money on it, but it was okay. It got some notoriety, and Easy Mafia found it, and I reported the script for them uh it wasn't exactly anything special at the time especially because they already knew this information but not a lot of groups did and that's what made being in a cook group at the time so valuable and that's also why the actual cook group price at the time was anywhere between 100 to 120 dollars a month that's really interesting because obviously when you look at groups now it usually ranges between 40 and 60 dollars i'd personally say that's the average range but back then, the prices were significantly high because this information was pretty scarce by the way you're speaking about it. But one thing I did want to dissect, you did speak about Easy Mafia and most of us know Easy Mafia today to be a source of news when it comes to Easy releases or anything uh, Kanye related it seems these days. However, when they went ahead and approached you about uh, joining their cook group, what specifically were they interested in and how was that transition like? Well... When I joined, I mean, it wasn't anything special. I wasn't being paid to join Easy Mafia or anything, but it was it, it was very hard to get into Easy Mafia. There was about 50 people allowed in the group at a time. Some of the old tweets, I don't know if the tweets are still there, might show it. It was a whole cook group thing. And um, basically, I provided a monitor. It wasn't, this was back when, and I didn't really know as well as I did because I wasn't really experienced in sneakers, and not a lot of people were at the time. But uh, it, it gave a lot of false positive. It wasn't that great, but I did stick around in the group and they did appreciate my company and I loved their company and they got me really into sneakers even more. Um, but yeah, it was, and then of course I just gave him the Gecko HTML script and it wasn't, uh, it worked until, I mean, Adidas starts getting really stickler on patching things. They got very strict. And actually around that time, that's when uh, that guy, I forgot his name, I think it's Nike Destroyer, made his Adidas uh like web page scripts that did almost the same thing that mine did. Yes, that's a good place to go ahead and integrate yourself into the community. From where you're describing it, the cook group was hard to get into, obviously $120 a month. Not a lot of people really have $120 a month to side against with a group to actually go for these releases because obviously that eats away at your capital. And one thing I did want to pick your brain at, do you think that given the current climate of cook groups, do you think that people would be prepared to pay $120 a month for a cook group because the most expensive one that I'm aware of is an $80 one but I'm not, I haven't seen any around I may be wrong that are $120. I think there is a possibility to even charge higher than that however the format and template of a cook group right now is what's keeping the price so low and also what they're offering. Because at the end of the day, the only way you can really keep a cook group at that value is by making sure the group is, like you have to be providing the top information, stuff that other groups don't get. Your kit early links don't count. You know what I mean? And then the other problems is like, 
with a group with that good information, you're going to have leakers. So the group has to be tiny. You have to really keep track on everything. And it, unless if your group is really that top notch, and yeah, you can price it at whatever. If you're providing things that like, I mean, like that bots would like to use, like certain endpoints or anything like that, and you can actually, but that's also very hard to provide. And even that's why certain groups like Restock World or any of these groups that made these tools are priced still in a similar price to the, the rest of the community. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the whole community has fixated on a certain price range once again, referring back to what I said before, around 40 to $60. That's kind of the range I see these days. But yeah, you do bring up a good point. If this group can be very, very exclusive, I feel like the price can go up, but then there's leakers. And then obviously with keeping it small, there's that proportion of finance speaking that if you have a low amount of users, obviously it stops leakers and your higher retail per month is going to cover costs as you are going to have a lower user base. However, one thing I did want to go ahead and speak about from knowing you from a personal level and obviously looking at your tweets, you're a pretty diverse person. And I got to explain that essentially you're into photography, you're into programming and you're really good at both in my opinion. No, I appreciate that. I'm just... I think it's just a matter of learning and being around the right people to help and support me. Like people like like Liam Seskis, like help me with like coding and understanding things and teaching me. And then we have like Michael from Notify who taught me correct business and always has been around to support me. And uh, like I, I've been I've been able to be surrounded by a lot of people with great mindsets. And even like back when I first started, I ended up meeting up. That's like we had a group chat with like everyone like like Ewan and, and Zeros and all these people. And I kind of got to learn and kind of see everyone from the beginning. So it's kind of cool to watch everyone learn. And it, it kind of just taught me to do things. Actually, whilst you've gone ahead and brought that up, we might as well jump into a little before I move on to some of the other questions. With that whole group, when you first started, can you give me like a rough timeline when that is? And what were all your current goals or like mindsets at the time? Yeah. So at the time, the group was, uh, it was Simi. It, I think Vlad from Kickmoji was in there. We had Ewan. We had like a couple friends like that. I ended up invite like Josh, uh, Mitch, a bunch of uh, I mean a lot of people from like that currently own products in the community or some of them that are really 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 good now. And uh, none of them really. Maybe a few of them knew how to code. I know Darren was like like a pro at the time, and he, I think I'm sure he still is, but. At the time, all I cared about was just getting sneakers, and so most of us were, but a lot of them took the next step and, and devs to their own bots and stuff, and that's how a lot of them are really where they are today, and I'm trying to catch up, you know? Yeah, definitely. I feel like you're on the right track, and all these people you spoke about, like you and, and obviously everyone within that group, went on to be very successful. I'm pretty sure with the companies we're going to speak about, and some of the stuff you spoke about to me personally you're definitely going to create your own path of success and it's going to be something that everyone should keep their eyes open. However, one thing I didn't want to jump into, so with all your skills there, how has that gone ahead and acquired you jobs online, but also in real life? Right. So I work at a jeweler in Los Angeles area and I, that's my, that's my regular nine to five job. You know, I don't really, uh, I think it's so important to have like a, a well-based job. People like Peter in the community, he, like he's done that and he's done well for himself with that and i think it's important to really still have a job and keep yourself on a level like like it's cool you got like 20 pairs of easies and you get to flip them and you can still make some money but i think it's still a good work experience to involve yourself in an actual in-person workspace it really helps you uh learn more as a person and uh that's so i worked at a jewelers i worked on 
we've talked about i've uh, we worked on a couple companies in person not in sneaker based products i've told you about a few of them they're pretty big projects and it was able to happen because of certain connections i was able to make because of my work experience and thanks to a couple people in the sneaker community it, it's been uh i think it's important to not really just stick to sneakers i think it's important to expand in all sorts of ways Definitely, diversification is something I kind of advertise on my personal Twitter. You should be going into different lanes. I think some people are drawn away from the idea of going outside the sneaker community, but obviously you haven't. And I know a lot of people within the community that uh, go outside the community and they work essentially in the middle lane. So they have they have projects that reside within the community and then they have work outside the community. And obviously that's worked pretty well for you from you talking about the um, companies that you're going to be working for. And generally, I feel like that is the best way to go about everything. Because obviously this community, uh, something that I've came to learn, and I know a lot of people have spoke to me about it, is that it isn't like a very normal community. I feel like everyone kind of is going for the same thing. Everyone wants to try and make money through their products or make money through reselling. It's a very money-focused community. But if you can go to integrate yourself into different communities at the same time with different interests, so like if you're a photographer, go ahead and join that community, see what you can do there. If you're a programmer, you can reside in this one or go to different ones. Having a split integration into different communities is definitely beneficial. Yeah, and that's how, like in my sneakers products, I have Vanish, I have this new project that kind of solves the PCI compliancy problems. And I was working on monitors for a while and I'm currently updating them to a new project. And, you know, I think it's important to be well-versed in, not, and it's not just sneakers, you know, you just got to get out there and work on new stuff. Like you, some of the people here have great business ideas. I'm sure you can easily stretch and, and, and expand and make them big things that aren't related to sneakers. I think people should just take the next step. Yeah, from my personal view, there's a lot of people in the community that like haven't touched programming before. They go into programming and build sneaker-related projects and don't really look outside of that. But I'd encourage people to obviously open their view a little. There's a lot more stuff. There's companies out there that will pay a very, very good amount of money for you to join their team or work for them or be a freelancer when it comes to cybersecurity. There's a bunch of stuff when it comes to programming and there's a lot of money behind it. It's a, it's a very, very, it's becoming less of a niche thing now because people are aware of it, but it's definitely a very, very well paid thing. But something I did want to speak about, we've talked about your IRL job with a jeweler. We've talked about the money you make online as well. But when COVID-19 hit, how are you affected employment-wise? Yeah, so I was doing all these sorts of things for the fun of it at the time. Um, but what ended up happening was COVID put a lot of problems. Like, it's hard. My dad's a doctor. Very hard for him to get people to come into the office and, and do their tests or surgeries when they're concerned over, like, their health, possibly, possibly contracting COVID, and, like, the lack of face masks at the time started making a lot of problems for my for my dad my mom got laid off of her job um you know and then the and then my irl job at the jewelers you know they closed and uh then it's like okay well where's the money coming in and we kind of sat there and we're like oh there's not much of it left is there so we started working on other projects well i did and i basically uh started working on monitors with shahab and that's and that's kind of gotten me like we charge a low price, uh, like forty five bucks, but it was able to get me uh, like through like financial hardships. And I, and I thought, well, this might as well be a full company thing. And we opened a company, and now we're just working on a lot of projects. 
Yeah, that is definitely one thing that I wanted to speak about your monitors. So you got to a point where you literally had no income coming in from your jeweler job. Obviously, you had other stuff coming in, very little pieces, but no definite continuous stream. And then you decided to go ahead and open this company with Shahab. He's also a very nice guy. I spoke to him a few times. But you went ahead and decided to create this company and adopt a very, very lower price model when it comes to these monitors. And that is something that I didn't want to speak about. So you've got companies like Zephyr and Guap that provide monitors and they charge like 500, 600, $700. And that is generally the typical price range when it comes to monitors. But like you said, you're charging $45. So I'm kind of interested in what you were providing and why you decided to adopt a lower pricing model. So when we built the monitors, we were sitting there and we thought, okay, what sites are we going to carry? What sites are we going to do? And we're a non, personally, I, you know me pretty well. I'm not a fighting person. I'm not a person that likes competing in business. I just like to build what I want and improve it because I like to do it. So we built everything based on what other groups don't carry and also demand in other products that isn't sneakers. That's how we kept away from, I mean, like, I love Guap. I love Pseudo. And uh, Unlucky's a great person. So I tended, I tried to avoid any sort of that type of competition. So I just built switch monitors. There was a huge demand. I thought like, why not? It's amazing. And so I kept the price low just for the sake of an entry level thing. I think people, if it's, if it's a low price, groups can afford it and it gets more people some more money. And I thought that was a great thing to do. Even if it's not like, you know, a hundred dollar monitor, it's okay. I can live with that. And, um, yeah, and that's how I pretty much got some audience by being cheap and also, I mean, pretty much building the fastest monitors in that field. Yeah, obviously with a lower pricing model, you are going to experience a lot of lower end groups go ahead and buy them. And that's great for you because like you said, it's very good monitors. So obviously the groups with loads of capital behind them, a lot of investing funds are going to flock towards them. But also the groups that are very lower end tier are going to jump in, obviously pay for this lower pricing model and that would benefit them as well. So that was obviously great. You maintained a revenue stream throughout COVID and obviously we are getting towards the end of wave one i don't know if it's gonna be a wave two but obviously that is good that you managed to secure yourself some finances during this time but one thing i did want to touch upon we've talked about your skills when it comes to programming but what drew you towards creating monitors and resulting in you creating a company around it yeah, that's that's interesting i don't know i think it was because i used to work on a group called calicos and we used to run our system like we had an ACO system built into the group at the time. I don't know if they still have it or not. I left. But uh, basically, I was being told by people, like, because we always had to add new stuff to our monitors because that's when the ACO would pick up is if the monitor pinged an item. So I would get messages a lot like monitor this, monitor that. And I was like thinking of a new name for myself. And I was like, oh, monitor that. And so that's literally all I did to go and pick a new name. I just, whatever I was told off, and I was like, oh, that's kind of catchy. I'll pick that. And because of that, I guess just kind of being in that work area, it got me to really focus on monitors and just, it, it, I mean, it's just one of the small things, you know? Because I, I mean, at the end of the day, I work on a lot of things, but it really stuck with me. And I just, that was the first part I really decided to actually market in sneakers because I tended to avoid that for a long time. Definitely is a market that isn't as saturated as the others. I know there's a bunch of monitor companies, but when you look at cook groups, bots, tools, I personally feel like monitor companies are a lot less saturated compared to 
the rest of the sectors. But one thing to keep in mind when it comes to monitors, you've also expressed this to me as well, is that with these competitors, they're already established, they're already provided to very, very big groups. So when you go ahead and add something, or you're a new company that pops up that's unique and has some type of unique monitor, they're going to go ahead and add it. So it's a continuous competition to provide the best quality monitors, but also bring in a lot of clients as well. It's a very cutthroat. You can be offering the fastest monitor in a specific field, and you can receive a lot of customers. And then five minutes later, someone's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to renew next month. Like, I have to go and buy this one. It's a little faster. And then like, oh, I need to step this up. You have to recode it. You have to go figure out what make what will make it faster. Yeah, I test every way to monitor. So I'm like, OK, this one is the fastest way. And you have to go. In. It's, it's a very complicated process. And uh, it is a very cutthroat industry. And I'm not I'm not huge on that, but I can I can still play with it. Definitely. If you've got the skills to go out and do it any type of business market is always going to have competition so it's nice to know that you are obviously facing that competition and continuing to advance and also make your monitors better so that will obviously put you aside from all the competitors but the final thing i did want to touch upon for this episode what are your plans for the future yeah so it's changed a bit so we're right now what i'm doing is I'm finishing the monitor company. We're adding a lot of new stuff. We're taking our time. We stopped billing people. We're letting them use it for free. We're just working on a bunch of new things to improve it, make it something that's like pretty kick-ass and different than what other groups have and what they have tried to carry. Uh, an another thing is that, of course, Vanish has come out. It was still it was in development for a while, but it's finally out. It's a I love it. A lot of people seem to love it. We got over a thousand followers in a, in a few days, which I, I love and appreciate every person who supported my work. Um, and basically, it's kind of allowed me to work on new projects. So we're working on a system where cook groups can do slots without ever having to deal with PCI compliance issues. And that's a very, it's a very uh, complicated process, but we've been working on it and it's viable and we're, and we're testing and seeing pricing and stuff to make sure it's, uh, actual like profitable thing of course <laughs> there's a lot of things that it involves but we're still there's a lot of new stuff and then you've you've seen my i'm gonna continue working at the jewelers you know i love the guys uh there and i i mean it's good to have an irl job and you know about the private projects that i'm working on i think they're pretty cool like pretty cool things yeah they definitely are i mean you spoke to me about i was pretty shocked and just to give you a basis of what to the viewers of this i'm this isn't me just being nice to the guests. Like there's very, there's a few things in this community that people can say to me that shocked me because everyone does pretty much the same thing. Like if someone says, I've opened up a cook group, you know, it's been done before. But this stuff that he's mentioned that we can't talk about right now, which is pretty annoying, but once it all comes out, when you guys come back to this episode, you'll understand. Or we'll even do an episode at that time when everything comes out. Essentially, it is some very big stuff and I'm very excited for him. There's a lot of big names that are involved. And it's something to be very, very excited about. So obviously, you can go ahead and utilize that. But we did speak about Vanish during that discussion. And I've been personally pretty excited about Vanish because it adopts a different type of business model, which is for proxies, to be specific, which is essentially where it's invite only. There is no type of public access. So even to get access to these proxies, which are amazing, by the way, you'd run a giveaway on the bot talk as well. You have to go ahead and secure yourself a code when they're dropped. And for this episode... Michael has gone ahead and given me two codes to give it to you guys. So what you guys want to do, there's a link on screen right now. What I want you guys to do is hit that link 
it will take you through a Discord authorization process, go ahead and off your Discord, and then it will ask you for a code. Now, there's going to be a one minute countdown that is going to appear on the screen. The link's gonna be there as well, just so you guys can go to the link. After that one minute, there's going to be two codes that appear on the screen. Enter the code the quickest you can, and pray that you go ahead and secure yourself a chance to get these proxies because these proxies are amazing. But that goes ahead and concludes today's episode. If you guys did enjoy, please drop like, subscribe. If you guys are new, turn on the post notifications to know the next time we upload an episode. And also check out Michael's socials down below as well as all his affiliated companies as well. Thank you for having me, man. No problem. Guys, I will catch you soon. Peace out.